Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. We are going to end our sermon series, uh, Life and Death, today. Life and Death. You haven't been here? We've been talking through the power of of our words, the power of of our tongue. The Bible says in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and of death. So we talked about different areas of life and some areas of death. Last week we talked about gossip, the, the death that is given through the power of, of gossip. Today I want to bring it back to the, the good side. And I want to end with a message that I'm going to call the art of appreciation. The art of appreciation. Or uh, giving toes to thankfulness. I think it wrote like that. That's kind of weird though. Thanks with toes. You probably need some more explaining than just saying We're going to talk about gratitude and appreciation. Gratitude and and appreciation. You know, uh, gratitude is one of the most significant aspects of a, if you own a company, a business, the significant aspects of a company that has employees that are highly satisfied. Did you know that? 81% of employees that work for a boss say they wish, they, they would like more money, and more money, right? But what they really would like is some, some appreciation or some gratitude. They want somebody to come along and tell them what you do, what you do matters. The art of appreciation. Any married people in here? Married people? Come on, put your hands up. Nobody's excited about that. <laughs> Freaked out about the white t-shirt. I said, married people, you're like, right? <laughs> married people. And so if you're married, uh, there's all sorts of marital problems. You, you know that if you're married. And so there's all sorts of issues. One of the number one marital problems in, 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 in America is that most, especially females, 44% of wives say they are underappreciated. Isn't that interesting? And wives are elbowing. See, I told you. <laughs> Under, underappreciated. Nobody is grateful for them. In the book, he talks about how the reason that we're like that is because we're too familiar with, with each other. And when you get familiar with, with somebody or something, you begin to not be grateful for it. We said it like this, what you don't appreciate always depreciates. The art of appreciation, even for you, right? Uh, I read in this book that I, that I was going through that the number one determinant of aging is stress. Did you know that? So you're like, yeah, I have kids. I know that, right? And so some, somebody asked me, they're like, hey, why is your beard, beard gray today? I was like, I didn't dye it. And so it's the next question. And so, right, why is it gray? Easy answer. Harrison, Harrison, Lincoln, and Carter, right? And so somebody say, why did you mention the third child, the third child, second, you know, twice? If you have three children, you'll know why, right? And so the third kid is crazy. And so, like, uh, I, the number one determinant to to aging is stress. You know what the number one antidote for stress is? Gratefulness. When you are grateful, when you have a high level of of appreciation for other people and things in your life, stress tends to to go away. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you the art of appreciation. And here's why. I think we spend a a lot of our time, parents, what do you try to teach your kids? Teach them to say what? Thank you. It's almost mindless. Did you say thank you? Thank you, right? <laughs> you ever, ever have them pray? In my house, uh, my, my kids pray this. Jesus, thank you that we got to have a good day. I'm like, I just spanked you three minutes ago, but okay, <laughs> right? You get grounded, right? Thank you that we get to have a good day. Thank you for this meal. Amen. You're thankful. Say thank you. You're done playing sports. Hey, go back and tell your kids, your, your coach, thank you. Thanks, coach. You're thankful, right? Say thank you. But I want to take it deeper today. Thank you, in the book, he says, is a feeling. It's actually more about you. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to develop thankfulness. I'm going to say thanks. I'm going to, I'm going to be thankful. It's Thanksgiving. I'm going, to be, I'm going to think about, make a list of all the things I'm thankful for. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to be thankful in my life. Thankful is a feeling. It's something you think. Grateful is something you give. Thankful is not life-giving, except to you. I'm thankful. So we're talking about life and death being being given to people. Thankful is really more about you. It's really self-centered. Okay, today I'm going to be thankful. 
gratefulness is something you give to other people. Watch what the Bible says. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, rejoice always. Some of you do that because you're really grumpy right now. Rejoice always. Pray continually. What, is that? what does that sentence say? It says, give. Everybody say, give. give. Come on, say it like you mean to Say, give. give. Thanks. You notice it doesn't say, rejoice always. Pray continually. Say thanks. Rejoice always. Here's all I want you to do. Rejoice always, pray continually, okay, teach your manners, say thanks. What does the Bible say? What is the word? Give. give. You're going to give thanks. Gratefulness or gratitude or appreciation is something that you give. I want to show you this example in scripture, Luke chapter 17. There's this amazing story uh, where Jesus interacts with these guys the Bible calls lepers. Now, lepers at the time, when, they got, when you got this disease, you were hopeless. There was, there was nobody that could help you except for Jesus. That's what I love about Jesus. He started to get the reputation that if nobody else could help you, that he could, right? Like, it's very practical. Like, some of you, you've been addicted your entire life, and nobody else can help you but Jesus. Some of you have had an awful marriage your entire life, and nobody else can fix it but Jesus. He has a knack for doing things nobody else can do. In the Bible times, uh, people would be lame. No, no hope for them. There's no doctors. There's no science. They would, just, they, would, they would just lay around all day long. And he had a knack for showing up and giving, giving strength to the lame, causing them to walk. You're born blind. You have no hope, right? There was no antidote for that. Jesus had a, had a habit of showing up and giving sight to, to the blind. You died. Jesus had a habit of coming in and bringing you back to life. Like Jesus did things nobody else could do. He had a reputation for that. I wish that was the reputation for the church. Amen? Like, I wish people, when they thought of church, were like, I'm going to go to church because church is the one place that Jesus can accomplish things that nobody else has been able to accomplish in my life. I wish we would focus on the main thing more often. Jesus can do things nobody else can do. And so the lepers, they begin to, to understand. If we can get close to Jesus, Jesus could do something in our lives that maybe nobody else can do. He could heal us. He could restore us. If you're a leper, you couldn't be near your family. You wouldn't be able to work. The only people you could hang out with were other lepers. Like you, It was a sad life until you died. And so lepers, they understood. If I could get near Jesus, Jesus could heal me. Luke chapter 17 says, Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. A little side note for you, if you're a religious person, you would have hated Jesus. The, the Jewish people hated Samaria. There was racism all the way back then. Jewish people were pure Jewish. They, you know, were of, 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 of God's chosen people. Samaritan people were a mixed race. And so Jewish people couldn't stand Samaritan people. Samaritan people were not allowed to worship in the Jewish temple. And so they stayed away from each other. In fact, a lot of times you would, you would hear them talking negatively about Samaria and Samaritans. And so Jesus made it a habit of getting close to the people that irritated them. Like so, sometimes when you're, in, when you're in church, we confuse that. Like Jesus always messed up religion. So he didn't have to go here. He was just doing this to prove a point. The Bible says that as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Everybody tell me how many lepers there were. 10. 10. This is really important. 10 lepers met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus Master, have pity on us. They weren't embarrassed. They weren't Dutch. They weren't composed. They, they, they weren't worried about everybody else seeing them. They were undignified. They were screaming. There's an exclamation point in the Bible. Jesus, help. Jesus, have pity on us. The Bible says when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. This was common because the priest would look at you and say if you were clean or unclean. So I bet there was times in their life when maybe they would, they, their, their, their leprosy maybe slowed down a little bit. Maybe it went into a little remission and they would show up to the priest. I think I'm healed. No, you're not healed. You're a leper. You're never going to be healed. But Jesus said, go back to the priest and show yourself. And so they went back to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Could you picture this? Ten guys running, right? Uh, lepers were known to lose fingers, lose noses, right? Like burn stuff off. They couldn't feel it. They had all sorts of marks on the bodies. They're running. Billy Bob, Jim, right? George, they're all running together. Billy Bob looks over at Jim. He's like, Jim, your nose is back. And they look down. They pull the shirt up. They're like, you don't have any, any, any leprous spots on you. They're clean. They're taking off clothes. Like, whoa, man, slow down, Bob. And so taking off clothes. They're freaking out. They realize that they're clean, the Bible says. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. How many lepers were there? How many lepers came back? 
one of them. Praise God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. They love to tell us that. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned, see that word right there, to give praise? Has no one returned to give gratitude to God except this one foreigner? You ever notice that sometimes when somebody is new to the faith and they're almost like a foreigner to church, that they, it's easier for them to worship than it is for the person who's been saved for many years? Like we're throwing up our hands. You're like, I've done this before. Like the one guy, who, he, he has no background in Judaism. He's an outsider. The Bible says the one guy comes back and worships Jesus. He says, where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Let me ask you something real fast. Do you think the other nine guys were thankful? We don't have to study the Greek to, to put ourselves in that story. If you... If you are dying of a disease you're not going to be able to ever recover of, separated from your family, and you meet Jesus, and you begin to run away from Jesus, and you notice that the spots that were supposed to be a representation of your death, your isolation, your destruction are now gone, and you have a chance to go back to your family, and back to work, and back to church, and have a normal lease on life again. Don't you think it's low-hanging fruit to assume the other nine were thankful? How many were grateful, though? One. There's nine thankful guys. There's one who says, you know what? I need to return back to the spot of my miracle and in this moment give gratitude. Gratitude is an action. Thankful is a feeling. Thankful is more about you than it is the other person. Thankful doesn't bring life to other people. Gratitude does. Let me just give you an acronym for gratitude based on the word give. It'll be easy for you to, to remember, those of you who are educated like me. And so uh, this might be too simple for some of you, but I hope it helps you to, to remember. And let me just preface this by saying, this is one of those sermons that I am, I am imploring you. I'm saying, please, go act on this message. Go, go be, become a person. Gratitude is even healthier for you. Like people that are grateful are more healthy physically. They're more healthy spiritually. They're more healthy emotionally. I want to teach you how to give gratitude. Here's the, here's the, here's the G in, 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 in giving gratitude. G represents grace. Grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. Grace is the most underrated part of our faith. It's the most misunderstood the, the reason I know that is churches will, would be filled with more joy and, and excitement if people understood the level of grace that God continues to have to give you for you to even be sitting in this place in the first place. The, the grace of God. What's the grace of God? The grace of God is the unmerited, I want, you, I want to read this to you, the unmerited love favor and mercy of God that he extends towards humanity. The opposite of grace is religion. Religion is, I do these things, I come to church, I, I, I memorize scripture, I'm going to get my kid confirmed. Anybody do that? I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my kid's first baptism. I'm going to do them, put my kid through these classes. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Okay, okay, have I done enough? Me and God good? Are we, we, we going to go to heaven someday? Have I, have I go to confession enough? Hey, you know, have, have I done, Easter, did I get to church at Easter? Did I go at Christmas? Hey God, I even went on 4th of July. I know they were giving a free t-shirt, but let's, let's let that, you know, I even went, like, and so you have this uh, religious, religious relationship with God. And so here's the thing about that. You can have that type of relationship all over your life. You can have a religious indebted relationship between a, 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 a kid and a parent. You ever, you ever experienced that? Where your, your, your parent, you don't ever know if you've done enough. You don't know what they're going to be like. You don't know what. And so am I doing enough? Did I please you enough? Did you see me do this? Do you love me today? Am I your son? Am I your daughter? Okay, are we going to be good? Okay, hey, it's been a month. Have I, have I done this enough? And you know in a relationship like that, that that's toxic. That there, there's, there's no joy there. there. There's no, oh man, there's so much grace there. We do the same thing with God. Have I done enough for you today? Can I go to church? Are we cool today? Did I pray long enough? Did I, and it, we, we totally miss the point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, you and me, we can never get to Jesus. 
We, we, we're not good enough. And so what did he do? He came to, to, to us and he died on a, on a cross in our, in our place and he rose from the dead. And it's through him that God offers the gift of salvation to humanity, not by our works, but by the work of Jesus Christ. It's all about the grace of God. Here's why that's important. Here's why it's important. The opposite of grace is entitlement. So the reason so many of us are not grateful people, aware of all the good around us, all the miracles, all the doors being opened, all the opportunities that we should never have, is because we don't live in enough grace. We actually live in entitlement. Entitlement is really difficult to, 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 to see in our lives. Entitlement is what sets in when we look at things we're familiar with and we assume we deserve them and don't see the grace of God in them. In fact, this week we were, we were, we were, we were talking about this in staff meeting Monday we have staff meetings and so uh, staff meeting and we're going through this book and so I was like I want to teach teach our staff this before I preach this we want to live in this this sermon series this attitude of gratefulness and so years ago in 2008 we started journey church that was a long time ago some of you weren't even born yet right and so 2008 I was 27 years old had my first kid he was just a few months old got a building given to us in Limerick we had a little office areas in the back it was just me and Leah would come in a couple days a week and then a few years later a couple other people started working there and we didn't have much in fact we we didn't have a kitchen where we had we had an opportunity to store our lunches we didn't have that in Journey Church when it started we didn't have money for a kitchen we had a spot for a future kitchen that never ended up being a kitchen when I was there we had an almond an almond refrigerator that was passed down to us from 1900 right and so 19 you slid ice in there and slid it out right and so you if you brought your lunch you could stick it in there we didn't have a microwave we didn't have a coffee maker you want a coffee you stopped at Dunkin Donuts we didn't have nothing right like it was just an almond refrigerator in a quarter being run by a piece of ice right and so flash forward all these years I mean we we have arrived Joe we got a refrigerator with ice in it put your cup and just right we got a coffee maker. We don't, we don't have like a crappy coffee maker. We got a ninja coffee maker, right? Like, whoa, all right? <laughs> a few months ago, because we had points on our credit card, we were able to get, a, get, a, get an espresso maker. So now we, we just drink our, right? We just come and just get a shot of espresso when we need it. And so we have an espresso maker. We got a microwave. We not only have a microwave, we got an oven. We got a little oven, a little, little what they call microwave oven. You can microwave it. You can microwave oven it. We have arrived right and so here's the problem though I've been familiar with it and so I forgot 15 years ago I had an almond fridge with the ice in it right if I wanted ice I had to stop at Wawa and steal it on the way and like I had so we started working I'm, we're gonna have the staff meeting you know this we talk about this and it was funny because the ice maker started stopped working in our in our in our in our staff thing a couple people came up try to get ice there's no ice coming now a couple people said hey what's wrong with the ice not working there's no ice in it right and so we later found out a piece of ice was stuck in it so we just flicked it out and it's working again Jesus healed it but there's no ice in it right there's no ice in it. there's no ice in it there's no ice in it and here's the problem if you don't go to the ice machine every day and say this is the grace of God in my life if I can hold this in and get crushed or full ice cubes in this thing, as opposed to having to fill a tray up and slide it in the almond thing and crack it open like 1995, that's the grace of God. But what happens is you put it there and one day the ice doesn't come out of the, of the thing when you expect it to. And what do we do instead? God, why did you smite me right now? Why are you not blessing me in this situation? And here's why, because you're familiar. This is what I get. And what happens is when you're not gr grace-filled, when you don't understand not only the grace of God in your life through Jesus Christ, but the grace of God as he opens up doors, as he brings people into your life, as, as he, he, he so think about it. There's people in your life you should have never met, but the grace of God brought them into your life, brought them across your path, and you begin to forget all that, and you get super familiar. Entitlement sets in. It's the opposite of, of gratefulness. And I bet for most of us, it affects our church life, our marriages, our parenting, our our jobs, our ice makers, our cars, our houses, our, our clothes. There's some of you wearing clothes you could never afford, but by the grace of God, you now have it. Like you were going to the back. There, there, I think about my life. You're from Boyertown. I used to have to go to the back of Merkel's, right? Merkel's. You don't know Boyertown. Merkel's is the discount place that you go to when you can't afford to go to Foot Locker, right? 
or you're blue collar, you need work boots. I almost somebody sent me an email right later on. That's where I get my work boots, right? And so my mom used to take me to the back of Merkel's and say, hey, you can pick out a clearance shoe at the clearance barn, whatever one you can find for under this much. And I don't got to live like that because of the grace of God in my life, because I had parents that worked really hard and built, built a successful ministry and were smart with their money. And all of a sudden, we began to have more opportunities. How often do you think I, think I, th- I celebrate the grace of God? I'm just, I just deserve it. I don't go to Merkel's no more. Everything is a miracle in your life or nothing is a miracle. Everything. Every relationship in your life, the, the good ones, they're miracles or they're not. It's the grace of God. This is what they miss. They miss the grace of God. They run away and they don't even take time to think to themselves, had I not been on this road at this time where somehow the sovereignty of God allowed his son to pass me by, I would have never been healed. They are so busy living in the blessing that they forget to return the honor and praise back to Jesus. And so many times that's how we are. We're so busy living. I got, I'm I got stuff. I went to the mountains a few weeks ago. Anybody ever been to the mountains? Real mountains, not Poconos. Somebody's like, I've been to the Poconos. That's not a mountain. That's a sledding hill, right? I studied it when I was there. I was like, how, how tall is the highest mountain in, on the north, the north, the, you know, the east coast? It's 6,000 feet above sea level, right? That, that's the tallest mountain on the east coast. Denver sits at that, right? And that's not even the mountains. When you're in Denver, it looks like the plains, but I'm already sitting taller than most of you have ever been, right? And so I'm already up. And then you go into the mountains. You ascend into the mountains, 12,000, 13,000. I learned about the 14ers, which is the, 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 the ones that are over 14,000 feet above sea level. People go there and hike them and then they put stickers on the back of their car like we do for our marathons here you know what I'm talking about and so you know what you do 13.1 they're like nobody cares right and so so 14ers right and so I was at the mountains and so when I went to the mountains somebody gets got offended nobody cares right and so and you can lie right I'm gonna put I drive to Oklahoma every year with three kids put it on the back of my car right no one's died yet you know how we do right and so and so the mountains were just beautiful. Like I, I, uh, I was told before, you, before I went there that it's going to make you feel closer to God. And I, I went there and I started thinking like every time that somebody in scripture spends like intimate, long extended periods of time with God in his presence, they're on a mountaintop. So I was up on top of this mountain, and I just, everywhere I looked, is just this beauty and this wonder and this awe. And I just, I don't know how you're there and you don't think to yourself there's a creator. Like somebody did this, and, and you just want to worship. And so when I was there, I was infatuated with everything that was going on. And I'm a, I'm a grass guy, and I hate trees. Anybody like, I love grass, and I, trees ruin grass. And so when I was there, I'm, I was really engaged in, in nature. And so I noticed that in the mountain area, there's only two trees, only two types of trees. First type of tree is a tall pine tree, just goes straight up, has little, you know, sparse, sparse uh, branches that stick out. It, it's beautiful. Not like our, our, our pine trees that are just out there, right? Like they're just clean. It looked like God was like, you know, he was on his game in that day. Like he just <laughs> made them, right? And then all over, all over the mountain sporadically is these trees called aspen trees aspen trees aspen trees are beautiful so you have this this greenery that's all around you the, the pine trees just just sit up and then every once in a while there is a group of aspen trees five six ten fifteen twenty they shoot up they're white on bark and then they have yellowish leaves in the summer and then it turns to white in the winter it's beautiful and then they fall off and that is the only leaves they have to deal with there so I asked my brother-in-law, I said, hey, why, why, why is it like all these trees and then like look like somebody just went and planted it, a couple aspens there? Like, I think I'll put a couple aspens here, right? And I said, why are they always together? Why, why does it feel like there's five or six of them and there's no aspen trees? He says, oh, that's easy. Aspen trees only grow in bunches. They very rarely ever grow by themselves. And here's how they grow. One aspen tree will grow and find a healthy root system and then send it, its roots to another baby aspen tree and they feed the other aspen tree. And so he said, if you look underneath these trees, like most trees, they, are, they're, they're, they have a big, big system up top and then they got a bunch of roots underneath that's destroying things. And they're all by themselves, right? They're all about themselves. They're demonic, right? So, but aspen trees, if you look underneath the surface, they're all connected. They're all taking care of each other. Uh, they're, they're, they're all, like the big one is feeding the little ones. No aspen tree is alone. I just thought to myself, what a beautiful picture of the grace of God in your life. 
Who's in your Aspen bushel? Seriously, like, like you're growing tall, but the truth is you're as the result of another healthy tree sending you nutrients, and it looks like you're strong, but you're only strong because somebody else. That's the grace of God in your life. Grace, num number two is this. Number two is really important. Uh, it's, it's, I stands for initiate, initiate. So here's what happens in church. You hear a message like, oh, I'm going to be grateful. Okay, I'm going to be more grateful. I'm going to be more grateful. You don't be grateful. You give grateful, right? Like James says it in, in James 1. Don't merely listen to the word. Number one problem in church is not that our ears don't work. It's that our feet don't work. Our ears are open every Sunday, right? Our feet don't often move into what we're called to move into, so we just kind of stick around in mediocre spiritualville, right? But the Bible says don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So this is one of those sermons where you go, okay, thankful is a feeling and gratitude is something I give, so I am going to move into a grateful spirit by initiating this in my life. They're running away. The lepers, 10 of them are running away. They're all thankful. They're high-fiving. This is amazing. Jesus healed us. You know, maybe we'll see him someday again to thank him. This is crazy. Let's get to the priest so we can get to our family, so we can get back to our jobs, so we can get back to normalcy. And one guy says, hold on. And he turns around, and that's his step of initiation. I have to go back. I, I have to spend time, and I need to go back, and I need to tell Jesus, thank you for what he's done in, in my life. Initiate. And here's the thing about it. We struggle with initiation in our culture. You talk to guys, right? So let me just explain to you how it's supposed to work in our culture. Can I explain this to you? So, because yes, yesterday we were at a baseball game, and we experienced our culture as it is now. So we're a baseball game, 9 to 11-year-olds tournament going on, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, teams from all over the state playing in this baseball tournament. Don't be impressed about that because we were only there because we were hosting it, and so our team was not there because we were good, and so we were there, we were hosting it. My, my, my sons are there, right? They've been there most of the day. My teenage sons are hanging out. You know, they're, 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 they're doing something, and my middle son, Lincoln, is, is hanging out with Carter, and a mom comes up to Lincoln, right? And she says to Lincoln, she says, hey, my uh, daughter thinks you're cute. <laughs> oh, he's the wrong kid to tell that to, right? I have to squeeze his head back down, right? And she says, she says, uh, can you give, can you give, can you, can you come talk to her? To which he says, nah, right? That's how he is, one, nah. <laughs> right? Zero game, right? And so, and then, and then she says, well, can I, can I take down your, your number and give, give, give the girl your number? And, and you know, maybe she can, she can text you. And so he did. And so she texts. Her text was, yo. And then his text was, yo, right? And so, so I read. I have my kids' phones at nighttime. I read through them. I read through the text. It was, you know, very, very rated G. It wasn't anything about it. But as we were reading through it and his head's puffed up and he, my wife says, listen to me. I just want you to understand, I know that girl doesn't mean anything, and this is just your, you know, you're going into eighth grade, she's going into ninth grade, you told her you were going into ninth grade, we're going to talk about lying, right? And, <laughs> right? But, she said, just so you know, that is not the type of girl that you should marry someday. She said, you're, you're not supposed to be pursued by a female, you're supposed to initiate and pursue the female. And that's biblical wisdom, right? Because in our culture, I'll meet guys, they'll be like, I want a wife. And I'm like, well, stop sliding into people's DMs then. That's, that's not marriage material, right? Find, find a girl. Oh, I see that girl. Walk up to her. Don't text her. Tell her, hey, I think you're beautiful. Whatever you want to say, whatever your go-to line is, I'd love to take you out on a date. I'll pick you up at this time. I'll pay. If they're young, right, teenagers, I'll come meet your dad first before we go. Introduce myself and your mom to make sure that you can, they can trust me. I'll have you home at this time. I'm very aware of your father's guns. I'll respect you. <laughs> like you meet guys all the time. You're supposed to initiate. And so here's the thing about it. Oftentimes, we are more like the, the teenage girl when it comes to uh, being grateful. Yes, I'm grateful. If I ever get the chance... If I ever run into them again, if I ever see them again, if the clouds aligned, if the weather's right, if my memory's there, if I'm not worried about anything else, then I'll take the opportunity to express, express my gratitude. That's not how it works. I think those guys said, we, we see Jesus again, we'll tell him. He says, before I get 
to where I am clean. Before I go back, I need to, if I don't do it in this moment, I'm probably not going to do it. I need to initiate. And so listen, first one is understanding the grace of God, looking around, seeing other people's, uh, 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 the value in their life, seeing what they've done for you. And then you begin to initiate. Let me just give you three questions that'll help you with this initiation. Three questions that are in the book. Number one is this, is you, you begin to think about who left fingerprints on my soul? Who left fingerprints here's this gratitude who left fingerprints on my soul who here's another one who believed in you right some of you haven't always been who you are right now there was a time nobody should trust you in fact if you were here first service you would have saw me bring up i brought up fred and Jeannie, who were the the the, the elderly mennonite couple and uh that were a part of the voting church to give journey church the building in limerick uh that enabled us to be the church that we're supposed to be and uh I brought them up, up here, and I showed a picture of my, myself to, to everybody, and I said, these people had enough faith to entrust their church and, and their hard work and their generosity to this guy. I want to show you. Can you bring that picture back up, Nate, just so we can see where I started? See this picture? And so <laughs> that's me before iPads when I used to read out of a Bible with a bulletin. If you don't know what a bulletin is. You're welcome. <laughs> I look like Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> I was 28 years old. I knew nothing. I could have burned that whole church down. Who in your life, you can take it down now, please take it down. <laughs> yeah. Who in your life, who in your life saw things in you before you saw things in you? Who believed in you? And who was there through thick and thin. These are the people that you begin, okay, I'm living in the grace of God. I'm seeing God's goodness in my life. I'm seeing doors he's opened up, people he's come into my life. Okay, I got it. Now I'm going to begin to answer these questions, and I'm going to begin to initiate gratitude into people's lives. Number three, the V stands for value. What are you going to do? You're going to begin as you initiate to actually think through what it is they did for you. So when I, answer, when I, when I would answer uh, that question, uh, who was there through thick and thin? You ever answer something like that? You, you don't always got it all together. You, you, you are not a finished product. You, you will make mistakes along the way. Am I preaching right? You, you will drop the ball. There, there will be reason for people to not like you at some moments. So if you don't know that, just ask somebody that hangs out with you. So if I think about that, I, I, I was thinking, who was with me through thick and thin? So I, talk, I talked about John. I made fun of John Johnson. You guys, you guys know, like, John, John Johnson been at church since before he had, he had puberty. That's just true. It's just reality, right? So he's been here since he was a, a, a young man, right? A young man. And so John, he started coming before he was even married to Joy, before they had three kids, before they ran a successful business. John came to church. John was our first children's pastor at Journey Church. Did you know that? His first Sunday, he showed up in a YMCA-looking sailor costume, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Why? And so, like, he showed up in that, right? Because they were doing a themed, a themed uh, 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 month there. And I remember I saw him, and it was at that moment when I saw him dressed up in this sailor costume that I knew we were on the right track. We were about to grow. I was like, we got this, right? And so, and he, he, he's been here for, for, for years. And so now John is, a, is an elder in, in, our, in our church, which means uh, quarterly he meets with, with me and, and another guy, and we go over the finances, we go over the budget, we go over building campaigns, we go over upcoming opportunities, and he has been a stable, loyal voice in my life uh, now into our middle ages. And I say we, but really I'm middle aged, and he's, you know, in his mid-30s, so he's a young man still. My other, my other elder is a man named Tim. Tim Becker is married uh, to a, a girl named Sheila. I don't know if Sheila's here today. But Sheila, in 2005, when we started Journey, was the very first person that responded to the gospel at our church. The very first person. Like, isn't that cool? And Sheila started coming to church. She had no church upbringing. And then she met Tim, and, and Tim wanted to date her. And she said to Tim, she said, I can't date you if you're not a Christian. So if you, if you want to date me, you got to come to church. So he reluctantly started to come into church. Um, and, and then he found the Lord, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And I've watched them grow in, in, their, in their faith. Sheila worked here for many years, and now Tim is an elder too. So Tim 
and, and John, two of the guys that have been in my life the longest as I've done this church, are just a stable, reassuring. Even when I quit, I know they're with. I want to quit. I know they're with me. Uh, I know that they'll, they'll they'll speak truth to me. And and as I went through this, I just thought to myself, I man, when is the last time I actually thought about the value of having two men in my life like that? That's value. I'm so entitled. They're just here. John's been here. Like, you ever meet John? John's just John. He never had a bad day. Tim's just Tim. Two of the lowest maintenance dudes you could ever meet. You ever meet a high maintenance guy? You know what I'm talking about? These guys, two of the lowest, and you just, you just have them in your life, and so you feel entitled? Yeah, they'll be here. And you just begin to think about your life. You begin to attach value to them. And then here's the hardest part for me. Can, can I just... The E, it represents the word express, which I don't know about you, but I suck at. I started envisioning that. Could you see me and John Johnson in a room somewhere? And I just want to tell you, I want... it would be super awkward. So I did it on stage. I don't even know where you're at, but I love you, man. I love you, Tim. And so, but there's power there. Could you imagine if, if the, the left, like some lepers, yeah, thanks, Jesus. What did he do? He came back. He came back and he, he don't care. Like, he's emotional. Jesus has changed him, healed him, and made him whole. And he is worshiping Jesus in a loud voice. You know, Jesus isn't like, hey, man, you got to have to tone this down. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> like, you ever been around in church, people getting a little too loud for you? You're like, hey, man, you have to tone that down a little bit, right? <laughs> Let me just speak truth to that. I just spent uh, from 7 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night at a 9U and 11U baseball tournament where a bunch of grown people worship their little gods on the field. And they go crazy. They get undignified. I seen a dude get kicked out at the first game. He won full MLB, right? He threw his hat. He chest bumped the, 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 the umpire. He got kicked. I'm like, over an 11-year-old baseball game. And I didn't see one person like, hey, man, this isn't that important. Roy, this is the state championship of Pennsylvania Northeast District 1. You know what? I mean, it's like, no, no, this is ridiculous that I have to come in church and I got to be worried about my arm space getting into your space and my singing being a little offensive and my dancing being a little, and you look at people, somebody like, they got to calm down. Tell that to the leper. He went back and he just laid it at the feet of Jesus. I want to thank you for healing me. And he expresses raw emotion. This is gratitude. You express it. How do you express it? Well, my dad, uh, he did, he did my, my grandmother's funeral this last week. And he, he, uh, shared, um, he shared this story about his, his, my Grammy. He said, hey, the one thing she taught me to do is uh, whenever anybody does something kind for me, make sure you write out a handwritten thank you note. That's what he remembers. Like, you know, he has other stuff for my Grammys, you know, 80-some years on this earth. But he says, I remember when she said, make sure you express it. So sometimes you express it in a handwritten note. Sometimes you express it in a gift. Sometimes you express it in a, in a text. Sometimes you express it in a phone call. Other times when you want to get real expressive, you go back and you sit with them and you express it in a conversation. Sometimes you express it through a home-cooked meal. I don't know what it looks like over coffee, but you just begin. What if for the next couple weeks you thought of every person who was a part of your Aspen bushel? You know what I'm talking about? Every person that you know, your roots are connected to their roots. You just began to list it out, and then you prayed, hey, God, what is it? How do you want me to show gratitude? Maybe it's a phone call to some of them. M maybe it's driving over to their house and just expressing, thank you so much for the grace that was evident in my life, for seeing in me things that I, I didn't even see, for being with me, through sticking with me, through being an ever and ever present uh, source of comfort and guidance and insecurity in my life gratitude what, what if you did i want you to think about that for a second what if you what if you had an opportunity this week uh, everybody just begin to list it out who who, who is that in, in in your life what if you
What if, uh, what if, uh, what if, uh, you took the moment? You didn't think my mic just cut off. Come on, man. It's not my first rodeo. Too easy. Where's Laurel? Where's Laurel? Where's Laurel? Come here, Laurel. Let's give Laurel a hand, too. Where's my flowers? The first service, we missed it. Come on, Lord. You got to come all the way over here in the light. <laughs> what if you just took a moment to honor somebody? It's not for you, Ben. So uh, I had an epiphany last week, a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to cry. And so but I had an epiphany at a funeral we did. I'm going to stand far away from you so you don't make me cry. And so and me and Ben are two of the most socially awkward people you will ever meet. You are too. You said, right? And so we were at a funeral for, for a friend that we lost in our church um, a few weeks ago. And... Uh, Ben and Laura were there, and it has been one of five or six over the last few years where it's just been extremely difficult, and uh, Ben was running sound, and so if you don't know how this whole thing works, none of it works. If you come in, you say, I really enjoy the sound. You ever been to a place where the sound person sucked? Most churches. It's just true. Like, most churches are like, dude, that's... And so if you've ever come into this place and thought to yourself, the band sounds really good, the music is really good, it's, it's hitting me in the chest. If you've ever thought to yourself, it's too loud, it's Ben's fault. And so it's Ben. Week, yeah, week after week, after week, after week, after week. I, I watched the movie about George Foreman this last, this last, last, last uh, few weeks ago. And the one thing I loved about George Foreman is when he stopped sitting down in between rounds. Remember that? So he just started standing. You guys remember George Foreman? Ben, ben never takes a Sunday off. Ever. He, you, you are here more than I am here. And that's, that's true. He never goes away. And, so, and then Laurel, every Sunday, she's, she's, up, she's on. She's up here. And you'll hear me either say, what do I say? Laurel, you can come play. Or Laura will just come play the altar music uh, where hundreds of people have responded to the gospel. And you guys have just been a, a constant source of uh, stability in my life. And I, I, I told my wife, I said, I don't think I could do it without Ben and Laura for the last 15 years. So I need you to come up a little bit into the light so they can see you. So I, want to, I just want to do something, because ben, ben is, Ben, Laura, you're up here with me a lot, but Ben is always back there looking at the back of your heads, right? And so he's getting texts about things from me and other people. It's too hot. The thing's back there. It's too cold, right? Fix that. You know, make me sound good. Make me look good. Make us, it's too loud. It's too quiet, right? Set up at the Colonial Theater. Sweat together when we did that. And so you, you, you've been here, but you've never actually, I don't think, been up here. And see, seeing the, the work that we've got the opportunity because of the grace of God to accomplish together over the last 15 years. So the first service, I, had, I, I asked this question, and I want to do it again. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ, you've experienced the grace of God, the presence of God, the salvation of God. If you've experienced that at Journey Church at some point over the last decade, 15 years, six weeks, whatever that, that has been, can you do me a favor? Because I want them to see the impact of what they do on, on week in and week out. Would you just stand to your feet if you receive Christ at Journey Church? I just want you to see this. All over the place. And so you can stay standing. Everybody else can stand so you don't feel awkward. Two, two things I, I got for you today that I want to do for you guys that we want to do as a church. First one, I got a card, and on the card is, in the card is a, is a gift card to go to it's Top Golf, 
Magiano, stuff like that. And so that's not really the gift. That's just what I wanted to give you to uh, let you go have a fun night, probably without your kids, let's be honest. And so, uh, right, that's first thing. Second thing is you guys never go on a vacation, ever. You never, you never leave this place. You're here week in and week out. But what God's taught me over the last few years of my life is he can do this without me, and he can do this without you for a week. We're going to be okay. And so I need you to clear your schedule. Ben, I need you to take one of your 15 weeks of vacation time <laughs> that you have, and we're going to get together, and you can either pick a trip to somewhere warm, Disney World, or a little birdie told me when me and Ben were talking that your dreams to go to the mountains, and I'd love to make that happen for you. So we're going to send you on a trip as a, as a way to honor you for 15 years of your service to this church. I love you guys so much. We love you as a church. We're grateful for you. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you, Laurel. Now get back to the sound booth where you belong. We love you guys. Now, here's the thing about it. I wanted to show you, as I started thinking through this, my, my list is much longer than that. There's so many more people. Uh, there's people we could bring up here for hours, hours. There's people in the back in the, in the AV room. There's people in the kids' areas over here. There's people park cars. But I, I just I want to have a gratitude party in our church. Can we do that? I, 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 just, I just think it would change the atmosphere in our church. If we walked into this place and we had an, at this, this grateful spirit where we actually just, we, we initiated, we went after it, we spoke to each other with gratitude. And so I want you to think about the people. When you leave this place, I just want you to act on it. Some of you, it's a phone, a phone call. Some of you, it's somebody you haven't talked to for years, and that phone call is literally going to change the course of history in their life because they don't know Jesus, but it's going to be that phone call that begins to lead them towards the kindness and the mercy and grace of God. Gratitude. We're going to give gratitude. Would you do me a favor as we close? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And we get to, to go into an uh, exciting moment of baptisms. It's been a really cool this, this weekend. Uh, Benet, who handles all of our communication with people, she, she's, she's contacted us a couple times and said, people just keep signing up to get baptized all weekend. So we started with, I think, 25 or somewhere over 30 now, like just all weekend. And so we're going to go into this moment where people get to celebrate their, their faith in Jesus. They get to, to celebrate the grace of God. And I tell you what, when I think about Ben, and I know how hard he works in Laurel and every, everybody else at this place. That is the only goal of this church. The only goal of this church is so that somebody like yourself that doesn't know the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the power of God, could come into this place and meet him. That's what we're thinking about when we get here early in the morning. That's what we're celebrating when we're here after everybody has left and we're cleaning up. That's what we're talking about on Monday morning. That's what the center of everything that we do is. We want people to know and understand the grace and the mercy and the hope of God. Jesus can do what no one else can. He is still in the business of healing people. He is still in the business of setting people free. He can still restore your marriage. He can still break your addiction. He can still do what he did back then. You receive it through his grace. What's the grace of God? Let me explain it to you. Here's the gospel. The gospel is not good people come to a perfect church and clean themselves up and go to a class and then God loves them and then they go to heaven. But before they get to heaven, they work on their behavior and if they do enough good, then he'll get in there. Now the Bible says that all of us fall short of the glory of God, that the wages of our sin is death and hell. All of us. We're all in the same boat. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We all fall short of him. We all deserve death and hell. But he sent Jesus. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ for anyone who calls on him. Your heart's still beating. God still has a plan for you. That anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. What do you do? You confess with your mouth. The tongue has the power of life and death. You've spoken death over you. There's other people that have spoken death over you, but your tongue has the power of life. 
For if you call on the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and my Savior? I put my faith in you. And you believe in your heart. What are you believing on? That he died on a cross when he shed his blood on that cross. That was a, an atoning sacrifice for your sins. Your debt, the Bible says, was paid in full. What should send you to hell has been answered through Christ's sacrifice. You also believe that he was placed in the tomb. And on the third day, the Bible says that he rose in power. And it's because of that resurrection that our lives have the capability to be changed forever. And he's here. The Bible says that he knocks at the door of your heart. There's nobody here by accident. Let me just make sure I answer that question for you. You're not here by chance. The seat you're sitting in, God knew you were going to sit in that seat. The Sunday you came, God knew the Sunday you were going to come. The message you were going to hear, he knew about it. He knew you were going to hear about his grace. He loves you more than you can imagine. He wants to change you today. He wants to heal you, and he wants to make you whole. But he needs your participation. He needs you to stop running. He needs you to say yes to him. If you call on him, he'll come right now. If you call on him, he'll save you right now. If you call on him, he'll heal you and forgive you right now. That's what Jesus does. If you're in this place, you don't know him, but you want to. The Bible says, call on him. We're going to pray together as we close. Prayer is like talking to a friend. But I think this moment is important and significant. I think it's one you need to remember. I think it's a line in the sand. I'm not going back. From this day forward, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. So I think it's important. I think it's important to respond, and what I'm going to ask you to do it is I'm going to ask you to respond in action. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to make you come forward. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to call you out, but I want you to remember this is the day that I stopped running from God, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, front to back, side to side, young and old, been in church for, for years, never been here before. Today, I want to walk into the grace of of God, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you all over this house and you would say that's me, would you just begin to place your hand straight towards heaven? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. There's a hand there, hand there, hand there, hand there, hand there. Is there anybody else? Hand up top. Another hand, another hand, another hand, another hand. Yes. Hand, hand. Come on. Keep your hand up high all over this place. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Now let's pray like we mean it all over this house, whether you know Christ or you don't. Everybody shout, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's shout it like the one, the one leper. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Today, Today, I give my life to you. From this day forward, you're going to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe in you. I trust you. And I love you. Thank you that because of you, that I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house. Would you shout amen? amen? Let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.